Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Cowie, I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week on the podcast, Steve Morse. And by the end of this interview, you're going to realize why Steve is one of the best guitar players in the world. Because trust me, his passion, his enthusiasm, his commitment, his work ethic is evident throughout this entire show. You have to believe me when I say that. You have to keep listening to the man himself. It's all coming up. Okay, before we get to the interview with the legendary Steve Morse, I am joined now by my friend, my co-host, the one, the only, lady, in fact, Nora, you introduce me for a change. I'm always introducing you, I'm always bigging you up, go for it, you introduce me. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce my good friend. The wonderful, the amazing, the greatest guitar player, singer, songwriter, drummer, talk show, co-host, I mean host, I'm the co-host, host in the history of the world, Scott Ansel Reinenhauer Mozart. <laughs> Stephen Cowie. Clap, clap, you clap. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yay! Scott, how are we today? You know me, Nora, can't complain, never do. Thank you for that mediocre introduction there, which nearly done my outstanding talent uh, some sort of justice. Nora, how are you? I'm great. I'm so just really nice. You're in the midst of recording the... How many albums have you done now? 17? Uh-huh. No, seriously. Wow, is this album number five? Number four. Number four. The last album was Little Hipper. Uh, and this album... Have we got a name for this new one yet? No. The last album, Little Hipper, got some great reviews, okay? Um, but this new one is funded by the pledge campaign that was so, so successful. So the world can expect a good bit of violin playing. The world can expect you singing. How many tracks are you singing on this new album, Nora? Hit me. A lot. How many? Um, More than four. Okay. Are you playing piano? Yes. Who features on the album? You. Okay, seriously, who features on the album? Because we've had this discussion, and uh, for anybody that hasn't listened, apparently I'm not on the album. So go for it, Nora. Who fe- is Genevieve singing on it? I can't tell you! Is that a big secret? Is that what it is? There's a lot of secrets. I can't tell you. I can't tell you where we're recording. I can't tell you what we're recording, <clears throat> but it's it's going to be good. I know where you're recording it. I can't tell you. I know where you're recording it. 
No, you don't. Yes, I do. You told me. Did I? Yes, but I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say it on air. Don't worry. Okay. Right, Nora, what are the things that stand between you and complete happiness? Being more like you. What will people say at your funeral? That was a fucking bitch. (laughs) If you could send a message to the entire world, what would you say in 30 seconds? Everyone should play jazz and go vegan and become an atheist. I hope you have a nice time. If today was the last day of your life, what would you want to do? Play more violin and also do something naughty. How would you describe yourself in five words? Um, perfectionist. One. <laughs> um, ambitious. Two. Um, charming. Three. Katra. Mysterious. Four. Sank. Playful. Five. Twa. There you go. Thank- would you break the law to save a loved one? Yes. That's a silly question. Nora breaks the law when she's brushing her teeth in the morning. <laughs> what is the difference between living and existing? Living means... Okay, here we go. Existing means that you go day to day without any real regard for... Um, improvement, okay? Living means you improve every day. Take risks. Have fun. Do something crazy. I think we all must improve every day. If karma was coming back to you, would it help or hurt you? Help. What do you owe yourself? Um, a day off and a movie and some Twizzlers and some popcorn and, um, uh, maybe a trampoline because those are fun. What did life teach you yesterday? Yesterday. That... Worrying gets you nowhere, it's pointless, and you should just not worry. What makes you special? I'm small, but I'm big. Nice. We're going to continue this little segment, getting to know Nora better. I'm having so much fun. We're all having fun, but we're going to even have more fun, ladies and gentlemen, because Nora's going to play us into the interview with Steve Morse by playing a riff that he's played many times, a riff that's very, very famous. It's a little tune called Smoke on the Water. Nora, please get your violin at the ready. And rest assured, we're going to come back with Nora, and Nora's going to answer more of these interesting, revealing, introspective questions. 
But right now, she's going to play us into the fantastic interview with Steve Morse. Nora, give us some smoke on the water and the mother effing violin. Woo! Okay. I am back on the Talk Music Podcast. I am joined now by Steve Morse. How are you, sir? Doing well. And you? Yeah, not bad at all. So everything's been happening over the last uh, year or two for yourself. Very exciting project that you've got on at the moment. Uh, Playing with Mike Portroy. um, That experience must have been tremendous so far. Now, you guys have got an album coming out just now. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, we're a band that's members from other bands. So we got together and finally did a tour and we had had a new studio album. So we played some of the studio cuts for the first time during this tour. And it was, it was really, it was short and sweet and very intense. So I think all that got captured in this recording because the, the tour was, short enough to be excited the whole time. You know, there was no getting into a routine because it happened very quickly and very intense. The, the live uh, DVD, they, they spent a lot of uh, time and effort making this one of the best sounding live uh, recordings that I've ever heard. And they, they tried some different audio processing to, I guess, to appeal to the audiophiles because, you know, uh, I guess prog rock music sometimes is, you know, is in a different class than, than just dance music or something like that. It, it has a different, uh, different audience expectations. And, and so they were answering this with, you know, just a, a tremendous a technical effort as well. Superb. Now, take us back to the point where you started playing guitar, Steve. Now, you had an interest in piano and clarinet early doors, but what attracted you to the guitar? Well, the fact that it was so versatile. You know, in fact, uh, I just started learning guitar lessons right around the time that I heard the Beatles on a live television show in America and there was little melodic uh, lead parts by George Harrison and the driving rhythm of John Lennon both those things and the sound I thought this is so much more fun sounding <laughs> than, than anything else that I'd heard any kind of instrument it was just it was just so versatile and had so much energy. That sounds great. Did you manage to catch them as the TV show you're referring to? Was it Ed Sullivan by any chance? Yes, that was that was it. The television had two channels, so the entire family would watch these shows. And Ed Sullivan would have people doing acrobatic acts, or spinning plates, or juggling, or telling jokes, or singing with a piano. Uh, or an orchestra 
they were so good. But I would have loved to have been in that situation where I got the opportunity to see them on American TV for the first time. So I can't imagine the impact that must have had on yourself. Of course, including many other musicians as well. Now, tell us about some of the other influences you had at that point in time that inspired you to kind of obviously take up the guitar and continue that development. Another thing I was at the county fair. County fairs in America have lots of you know carnival traveling carnival rides. They they come and set up for a week and move on to the next place. And there was a guy running one of those rides, like a of merry-go-round or something or you know something that takes you up in the air and he, he sets the ride to start and just sits there for about four minutes or three minutes or whatever and then stops and this guy while he was after he started the ride he started playing this guitar and, and he was playing a song like freight train where he had uh you know his thumb picking, his finger picking, and he was playing a melody and the accompaniment all at once on this uh, acoustic guitar. I thought that was really amazing. He, were, he had everything that that made it sound great and, and entertaining. Just and he just set the guitar down and stopped the ride and let the people off, and then put the next set on and kept playing again. I. I was really influenced by that guy, whoever he was. Wow. Very interesting indeed. Of course, great period of time in music in the 60s. Uh, perhaps no other guitar player stands out more than Jimi Hendrix. Can you remember where you were the first time you heard Hendrix play? Yeah. My brother was three years older than I was. We had a band together. And so he was always on top of the newest thing. And he brought the, the album home and we listened to it and it was like amazing then we went and saw them play at the the same year as Woodstock we had a pop festival in Atlanta and Hendrix was at that so that was really amazing oh my, I, I, I didn't know that Steve you got to see Hendrix play live that's phenomenal yeah well it wasn't a very intimate setting but I did get to see him play it was a huge outdoor uh, gig, but I, I managed to work my way up to very close to fire. And, I, I mean, that I'm sure there's film footage of that one on YouTube, the Atlanta one. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I think, I'm pretty I don't sure remember all the details. It's for one camera angle, and it's, it's it's really towards the back of the crowds. Uh, it's it's a short it's a short footage, but it's, it's, I'm sure it's on there. I'm almost hundred percent. But that must have been quite an experience seeing him, nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I was a fan of all his recordings too, because especially the one you know, the Jimi experience stuff. That was really the songs were short and sweet. All of them. Absolutely. Now, the Dixie Dregs, of course, you're a founding member of that band. I was watching you guys uh, a couple of days ago on an old YouTube clip. Just just phenomenal. You and that violin player uh, playing some amazing solos. Uh, just mind-blowing. Now, you st- did, was it yourself that started that band? Uh, how did that come about? 
originally, Andy, the bass player, and I had a band with my brother, older brother, and some other guys from our town. And when that band broke up, because we were doing, you know, kind of progressive, heavy music in a small town that did, that just wanted mainstream pop of, the, of its day. And we, we couldn't really get gigs. Nobody, you know, and when we did get a gig, nobody was happy because they thought they wanted to, a dance band that played songs that everyone knew. And we, we were playing originals and none of it was dance music. So the band eventually broke up and Andy and I were the only ones left. And I said, I always want to play some instrumental music, you know, let's, let's try some really weird stuff. And they said, yeah, let's do it. We could call ourselves, the band was called Dick's Grit before. And it was just a funny name because we, you know, as kids, we just thought it was funny. And so we could call ourselves the Dick's Dregs because, you know, we're the only ones that are left from the man, from that band. And we laughed about that, and that, that was enough uh, uh, reason to change the name. It's, if, it, if it made us laugh, that was a, a great reason to change the name, actually. Amazing. I mean, so, the band are just, uh, you must be really proud looking back and listening to those records of just how good that band was, and of course, is to this day, as much as it uh, carries on in everyone's minds. It's a band to be very proud of, eh? Uh, yeah, but again, the, it all it all began very lighthearted, and we tried tried to keep it that way. And that's one of the reasons that that, that it, the band did end is because you know, it, for, in some ways, it got a little bit too serious and and a little bit too much of, of, of business at one point. I remember thinking, you know, people are expecting things now that that was that weren't. Amazing. You know, people, want, people wanted us to have vocals and, and, and do hit songs and stuff like that. And I said, That's, that was never in our charter, you know. Right, right. Um, do you find that there's a lot of bands that are, are, are like that? They maybe, um, they maybe go ahead and do, do things that are quite commercial sounding in order to please other people, be it record companies and management and, and things like that. Um, do you think that a lot of that still goes on to this day? Oh yeah, sure. In fact, yeah, there's obviously more bands, more interesting bands, to me that that I'll never hear than the ones that you do hear that are successful. Because you know, it's it's just it's so hard to assemble a team to get behind something that's not a sure thing. Right. And, and even when you have a sure thing, it's just, that isn't even a sure thing because everything has to go just right in order to have success in music business. So I, th I think the bands, you know, doing the most interesting stuff are probably underground. Mm -hmm. Meaning that they're, they're able to play and people love them. They hear them, but it's hard for them to get gigs. Yeah. Is there any guitar players or bands in, in that vein that spring to mind? Anybody doing anything really interesting that perhaps um, the wider public as a whole perhaps don't know about? Is there any anybody that you can think of that's worth giving a, a shout out to just now that's doing something really good? Oh boy, 
and I can't remember the, the names. That's that's my problem. But even even some guys playing on the street, they're just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's also there's a female guitar player um, called Khaki King. I don't know if you're familiar, but I'll try and send a link to you. She's just doing some things that are off the chart at the moment. Very very futuristic, you know. Um, cool. her, name's, her name's Khaki King. Look out for her, Steve. Very very good indeed. All right, cool. Thanks. Right, so um, Deep Purple, um, a kind of <laughs> a legendary band that you end up joining, of course. How did that gig come about, Steve? I think they used to record in Florida when they got back together in the 80s. And one of the times they were around and recording in Orlando, Florida, my band did a gig there and Roger happened to see us play as a gig. And I think that made an impression on him and later on after they did that you know, tour that Richie quit on which they finished the tour with Joe Satriani and they knew that they were going to, to go ahead and, and do a, uh, a full-time member of so somebody that could play with the band and continue on but I said well, what about this guy I saw play and he and it, it turned out that the other guys had heard some of the Drake stuff because somebody in Great Britain used that one of, them, one of my songs as a opening to a radio show, a BBC radio show. So they had song familiarity. And we just agreed to, to do a four show uh, test run. Nothing more. I got the tapes of Joe playing the set and that had a tape of Rich playing the set. They're just like a regular blue like nothing special. And so I arrived there ready to play the show and I, I put together the styles from each guitarist that I that I thought would that I that I could do the best and that I thought would fit as a fan. Uh, so we met one day before the show. <laughs> and uh, it was really, really easy, real, very good musical communication, and felt great. Before we even played this first show, we were all slapped each other on the back and smiling. So when we went through, it was just easy. Wow. So walking into that situation where you're going to jam with the guys for the first time, are you nervous at this point? Are you super excited? Is it a bit of both? What's going on in your mind? Everything, yeah. yeah. I've, I've done this before, you know, sitting with other people, friends of mine, like with Leonard Skinner and stuff. But this was for a whole set, not just two something hours. So I knew I, there, there's, none of it was on automatic pilot for me. So I had to think about each thing. I said, somewhere in this show, I'm going to screw up. And so I was a little bit nervous, but uh, excited to play. Great stuff. You mentioned automatic pilot, which is my dreadful link into the fact that you, of course, are a qualified pilot, Steve. When did this passion um, for flying um, start? 
Uh, talk us through this. Was this is this a long time ago that you started getting lessons? How did it all happen? Oh yeah, as a kid, I, I always wanted to fly, and you know, always made also with airplanes and later on gas-powered airplanes. I made my own little helicopter that flew away, and I never could buy it. And my my airplanes were during the days when they didn't have reliable radio control. So I, I lost some of my airplanes trying to control them. They, they ended up in the woods somewhere far away. But I've, I've always wanted to fly. And it wasn't until I, I had a good job at the, near the end of my college. I, Abedini had left this job at the uh, Coconut Grove Performing Arts Theater. And, you know, he played in all the musicals that, that were traveling. And when he left to go on tour with Gary Burton, he asked them if they would uh, audition me to take us to place. And they did, and I got the gig. So suddenly I had enough money to take flying lessons with these guys that had a bunch of old airplanes, so they were really cheap. And for a college student, that was perfect. So I immediately got my license, my license and uh, started renting planes from them whenever I could. And then later on, when the Drake's made it funny where we could, you know, like buy cars and stuff, you know, old cars. I bought an old plane instead. It was it was a wreck, but it, it was it was a good plane, you know, for the money. <laughs> That's amazing. The fact that your music paid for your paid for your playing, that's quite a story indeed. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's about choices. I was I was riding an old uh, motorcycle and and I really needed a car, but I I got the this old plane instead. <laughs> Great choice, fantastic. So lastly, Steve, if you get any advice at all for younger musicians that are aspiring to obviously do what you're doing, uh, playing music for a living, is there anything that springs to mind at all? Sure. Yeah, play what you love and learn the language of music, you know, the theory, the how to read charts, tablatures, and written music, and practice your technique, learn the modes, learn basically, you know, become proficient and never underestimate the value of uh, playing good rhythm guitar, having dynamics, having good choices about what you play. Uh, my friend Steve Lukather, we did some guitar clinics together. He was answering questions. Just, I, I played 400 albums uh, as a student musician, and I never got one gig because of my lead playing, my soloing. It was because of my rhythm playing. So the soloing is impressive to other guitarists, maybe, but if you want to be in a band or work with real people, you have to be a great rhythm player. And then, and the soloing says, Rehearsal is at 2 p.m. 2.15 is not the same as 2 p.m. You know, be on time and it shows respect. Your, your word, I do 
doing what you say you're going to do is more important to a musician than they realize. I can tell a good musician by the way that they do simple things. Like if a guy can't be bothered to put the hamburger in the middle of the bun when he's working at a McDonald's, then he's not going to be a good musician. He's not going to be a great Sorry. You have to pay attention to detail and take every task seriously because you're going to be left alone practicing by yourself. And you have to have that habit of making small things count. Everything has to be important that you came for. I could go on and on. <laughs> that was brilliant. Very wise words indeed. I'm not just saying that for the for the I'm not just saying this for the sake of saying it, but um every word there I was totally hooked on because that is just yeah, I feel like I feel like saying the word Amen after that little speech there. It's so on point. Brilliant. Um lastly, very last thing, how many how often do you still practice, Steve? Are you still doing a few how often do you have a practice routine every day or Yes. And you know, I'm finally at the age where I have to think about, you know, physical things when I practice and work around physical things. But, yeah, I always put aside two hours a day at least to visit the guitar because if you don't visit it, it will get its revenge to try to go on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for that guitar getting revenge flyingcolorsmusic.com check it out live release coming up the legendary guitar player Steve Morse Steve it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you very very interested quite a story best of luck with all the live dates coming up and best of luck and continued success with everything that you've got going on thank you and thanks for doing this live uh, Flying Colors oh absolutely and listen let me know when you're in Scotland next okay alright great thanks a lot Steve take care okay thank you Bye-bye. A fantastic interview with Steve Morse there. Super interesting, and I said it there, and I'll say it again. Uh, it was fun to see hear him so passionate about what he was saying when it came to advice for younger musicians. Uh, really, really refreshing to hear as well that he practices two hours a day for somebody that's rated so highly. Uh, Nora Germain is back with me. Nora, how are you? Great. How are you, Scott? Can't complain, never do. Nora! Nora. Yeah. Yes. What bad habits do you want to break? Um, worrying. What is honor? And does it even matter anymore? It does matter, actually. This is one of the topics of my book. Um, what is honor? Honor means that you do the right thing when you have a very, very easy option to do the wrong thing. Nora? Nora? Yes? Do you consider yourself the hero or the villain in your story? Hero. Nora? Yes? How much control do you really have over yourself? Depends on what day it is. Sometimes more than none. Sometimes a lot. It just depends. Nora? I think in general I have... A lot of control. Go ahead, sorry. Nora? Yes? Whose life have you had the greatest impact on? Um, yours. (laughs) 
Nora? Nora? Yes, yes. What have you done today to make someone's life better? Today I'm on your podcast and I hope that someone that's listening thinks that their life is better. Nora? Yes? Describe the greatest adventure of your life. The greatest adventure of my life is going to Shetland Island to meet up with Tommy Emanuel and Martin Taylor and all of their guitar retreat people and almost getting blown off of a cliff on top of a white, uh, a white um, lighthouse because there was a windstorm and the wind almost carried me off the cliff and everybody was screaming, Oh, we Nora! We Nora! And they were all worried about me, but I actually made it down okay. And that was the biggest adventure of my life. Nora! Yes. What terrifies you the most? Snakes. Nora? Yes. What are you looking forward to? Releasing my album and my book. Nora? Yes. If you could ask your. Sorry. If you could ask for one wish, what would it be? World peace. And that goes for animals too. Thank you. Sorry, I just had to sneak that in there. What gets you excited and driven to achieve? You. Would you rather have 10 years of excellent health or 30 years of average health? 30 of average. What have you given up on? Bacon. <laughs> Nora? Yes? When did you last push the boundaries of your comfort zone? Right now. <laughs> Some of these questions are a little bit personal, Scott. But it's okay. Who are you really? Describe yourself without using your name or any attributes given to you by society and really think, deep down, who are you? Just a bitch. <laughs> Silly question really, isn't it? I was just thinking who I really am, you know? I think all women... I don't know. I'm just going on here, but. Last one. Okay. If you could start over, what would you do differently? Worry less and quit baking sooner and practice more. How do you apply the learning from this regret to your actions today? No, that was a two-parter. Shit, I've messed it up. I'm going to start that back again. Oh, boy. Here we go. What are the chances you've passed up on that you regret? Um, I don't, I don't think I've passed anything up that I sh think I shouldn't have. That's okay. That means that two-parter question doesn't happen. Right, last one. I know there's been a four on course, but this is the last one. No, I like it. This is fun. If your entire life was a movie, what title would best fit? Holy crap. 
If you received enough money to never need to work again, what would you spend your time doing? Helping people. Didn't expect that. Oh, what did you think? I'd buy a sports car? No, something else. Right, this is the last one. Now, don't say that you don't believe in God, right? Just for talking sake, right? Okay. Standing at the gates of heaven and God asks you, why should I let you in? What do you reply? Because music heals people and I've spent my whole life healing people. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our little segment, um, which is called Getting to Know Nora. Nora, how, looking back on that question and answer session, are you happy with the answers that you're given? Are you happy and, and safe in the knowledge that people got, have gotten to know you just a little bit better today? Am I happy with the answers? Not yes. necessarily, because I did them very quickly. You know, it's like shoot from the hip. But am I happy that people have gotten to know me better? Of course. But I don't necessarily think that doing a pop quiz about yourself is the best way to show people who you really are. But it is quite entertaining. Is there anything else you would recommend uh, that could be used as a platform for people to get to know you a little bit better other than buying your album and reading your book? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tweet me something. Tweet me and then I'll tweet you something back and it'll be really fun. And you can follow Nora Germain on Twitter. I'm assuming your Twitter handle is at Nora Germain. It's Nora with an underscore then Germain. Nora underscore Germain. And Nora... Yeah, tweet me something. It'll be so fun. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. So if you need any more of getting to know Nora and you're unhappy and unsatisfied with 125 questions that I've just asked, then you can go and tweet to her. Uh, or read her biography, which is quite lengthy on her website, or read her book, or listen to one of her five albums. The fifth quite one. Quite lengthy. My bio is quite lengthy. Maybe I think there's a few. You're in my bio. I've read... Twice. Yeah, I've read it on here. Oh, yeah, you have. I remember. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much to Nora. Thank you very much to Steve Morse. Thank you very much for listening in and making this podcast the podcast that it is because out of all the podcasts in the world this is definitely one of them Nora any final words thank you and good night boom shakalak in fact give us a bit of violin players out something something old and something new and something old and something blue something old I don't know just play something really good something bluesy I want to hear the blues sing it to me baby Yeah. Actually, that's exactly what you asked for. You said something old. 
something new, something old, and then something blue. The old is the blues. The new is because I made it up. The old is that, I already said that. And the blue is that it makes you feel sad, but happy too. Sad and happy. So, to go from that earlier question, the next time you show up at Nora's funeral, don't say she's a bitch, because I think she's just proved otherwise. Oh, thank you, Scott. That's very sweet. It's very that was funny. That was funny that I said that, actually. I didn't think I was going to say that when you asked me what people will say about me at my funeral. There you go. I wouldn't be saying that. I'll be saying, did I get my pledge money back? There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Nora Charmaine takes <laughs> And we will, we will see you guys next week. <laughs>